this episode, we're going to hear from a grandmother who calls BS on the Canadian Child Protective Services System. That's right. She had her grandchild taken away from her. The book. I wrote the book to give people hope, okay? Because I, I think a lot of times people who are in this situation, they come to a crossroads in their ordeal and they may decide like either keep going and keep fighting or give up because the government's too strong. And so my book is for you. If you're at that crossroads and you're trying to decide, you know, if you're going to give up or not, I'm saying that we didn't give up and this is the outcome that we had. So if you, you believe if the truth is on your side and you are fighting for your kids and you don't understand the situation and you're feeling like you've been made out to be the criminal and you're going insane just take a break but perhaps don't quit and don't what brought you to writing this story well it was uh certainly an ordeal that uh was uh dominated the year of 2017 so my uh, granddaughter so I'm just going to correct you on that it's not a grandson actually I it's a grand uh, granddaughter that I have okay. she's go yeah she's going to be five years old very soon and I just like it's hard to believe five years ago what we went through to get her back she was apprehended at two weeks old by social workers and put into foster care. I was right there with my daughter, right beside my daughter when they they did take her. I have no criminal record, no drugs, no alcohol, nothing, nothing. There was absolutely no reason at all that I should not have been considered uh, in the, the care and the future of my grandchild Yet they just dismissed me and whatever mistakes my daughter made up until that point, they were manageable. And that's exactly what we ended up doing. But I got to look, um, Tracy, into a system that I, I feel is broken. I felt that we, we were exploited and we got dragged into it by the powers that be. And once we were in it, we had to prove our innocence. There was no assumption, you know, innocent until proven guilty. No, we were tra- treated like guilty criminals and we had to prove our in- innocence. And I find that incredibly shocking in a, a country like Canada. I said I could only imagine, uh, you know. So let me ask you this, with um, with all that going on in Obviously, the bond wasn't affected, at least not too much anyway, because you guys were getting those visits and it was increasing Mm -hmm. number and the amount of time that you got to spend with the baby. So the baby's getting to know both of you all, which is great knowing their family, because we all need to be connected, you know, connected to our family. You know, I believe we do no matter what what the family is like, because eventually the child will come searching, you know. Yes, because we got to be connected and rooted in our identity, you know. So, yeah, I'm glad that the bond wasn't affected like that. But where would you what would you say uh, to someone who was not able to read or not able to read fluently, you know, in that situation? So, in other words, how did your ability to be able to read and to write and express yourself 
How did that help it, you? Yeah, it helped me immensely. I mean, I I remember times because I think what they do is they um, exploit so much that sort of knee jerk reaction, and they they all it's almost like they initiate the kind of responses that are are kind of normal like when you take someone's baby away from them they're going to like lash out and chase after you or do you know probably do something physical to you if you're trying to take the baby and I I think just because of my character that I was able to somewhat remain calm and um there so one example too is that we were in and out of court like every week it seemed and then the social workers would say like d d d say something to try to rattle me but i would sort of look at them not say a word and then just look down at the piece of the court documents that they had just given to us 5 minutes before appearing because that seemed to be their tactic and just i would just ignore them and just look at the papers and read through it and a lot of it a lot of it was redundant yeah that's but they just but it's just that volume of paperwork that they dump on parents that just seems to be what they want to overwhelm them. But when you actually remain calm and you start reading through all these, you know, one document after another document after another document, you realize that they're quite redundant. And yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. So for me, reading helped. It just helped keeping, kept me grounded because last time I checked, they can't read my mind and you don't know, you don't know what I'm thinking. You have no idea um, the capacity of my daughter to be a good parent because you don't, you're not listening to me. All it is, is you expecting me to listen to you, but you're not listening to me. And so if I can appear to be calm just by reading, that was really good. Like for them to see that <laughs> it was good. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't even imagine how your daughter felt. I mean, because that baby came out of her. So I'm sure that there was an instant bond when she had the baby, you know. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. She um she she doesn't express herself the same way that I do. And I think that she would have she would have lashed out like most parents um do because again it's a knee-jerk reaction it's just something instinctual but because i was there i was able to help keep her grounded um in the book i do explain that a lot because how my daughter like she was just shattered so it was really hard for her to try to explain um yeah. that feeling and and when I was writing the book, that was kind of the first time she did explain it to me. And so I just, again, just took what she said and then tried to transcribe it verbatim in my book. But there's one thing in my book that I didn't put in there because it was just a lot coming at us. But in that um, afternoon when they took the baby and I recorded the whole thing. And so there's a couple of things that I, uh, well, there's one thing in particular I put in my book that you can't really catch on the recording. But then, and then there was another one too that I'll just explain to you in a second. But I, that recording, so when it came time to write my book, I pondered whether or not I should go back and listen to that recording. 
And I decided I kind of remembered enough of that day and I don't want to revisit it, but I've never been able to listen to that recording, never. And so my recollection of it is what I wrote in the book. It's um, sort of that, that stress and that anxiety that I've got, you know, I've worked through all these years, but there was one thing that happened that again, I didn't put it in the book and it's not on the recording. And during that time when they took her, I mean, it was just people were coming and going in the room and I was just like shattered my whole world. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand why they weren't listening to me, why they weren't considering me as a maternal grandmother, a factor in all this, why they just seemed to keep plowing ahead and the foster parents were on their way to come get the baby. And there was a moment in all this chaos where I saw my daughter looking down at her baby. She was just very quiet, but she was, she looked very alone. Oh, I'm going to cry here in a sec. She looked very alone, but she was looking at her baby and she was just bonding with her. And for one second, I saw her doing this and all everything else in the room went away. Cause I just went, my daughter needs me. And I went and I, took my arms and I just wrapped them around my daughter holding her baby just wrapped my arms around my family and sometimes I think we're actions speak louder than words because again those social workers they could see this happening they'd already made the decision to take the baby but you know they can see this like me literally holding my family in my arms and that was an indication of what was what was to come. I mean, that you know, I stood by my daughter. She made mistakes. They were manageable mistakes. But that moment that they all witnessed, you know, like, I don't know why they could not be objective and realize that you're making a mistake here. Like, do not do this, okay? Like, she's our baby. So do not take her away from us. Anyway, yeah, it's, I haven't really, I haven't really shared that with too many people. So I don't know why it came up today but it did <laughs> I don't know if I I don't know if I explain that visualization of it uh, well enough for you and your your listeners so maybe there's a reason why I left it out of the book it's hard to explain <laughs> yeah that's okay I mean I get it and the other thing is you know when it comes to video people are able to process a video 60,000 times faster in their mind so they don't just understand it but they can really process and then they can relate to something that you said in a situation that they've been in because I know before as a as a therapist and as a mentor parent I've done it all uh, you know caseworker I've seen a lot of situations with families you know in the waiting room in the courtroom and then also in the courtroom you know where they're just just some very heartfelt moments you know and uh, very hurtful moments and a lot of lashing out because people don't always know how to express themselves you know and everybody expresses themselves differently so I'm really mm -hmm. grateful that your daughter had you you know to lead her and you know this is how we're going to handle this and really keep her rooted and keep her grounded and keep her her sane mm -hmm. actually <laughs> is really yeah. the, the well, best way to say that you know because yeah. that is very we traumatic yeah. yeah we had it, Suzanne we had Suzanne too, and she, because I've never experienced anything like that. So you said in court that you've seen what it does to families, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
because Suzanne, she was, she ended up being our biggest advocate because she was, she did a lot of explaining sort of behind the scenes, but how you appear in court and people don't realize this in these child protective cases, it's really important how you behave in court, like really, really important. Yeah. So you have to control your emotions. Right. And, you know, everybody's watching. Everybody's watching. Yeah. And I mean, I, my heart goes out to parents. It really does. Because the way that the system was designed is that they are probably have been targeted because they're probably poor, perhaps uneducated. Yes, in your case, if they can't read, that's a big issue if they can't read. Because so, that, so then how would you encourage somebody who cannot read, knowing that really the statistics are, you know, when you can't read at least a fifth grade level, because they try to make everything at least a fifth grade level reading, you know, when it comes to news and other things like that, how would you encourage them to learn how to read and because as you read, you're able to lead, like you were able to lead your daughter, you know, because of the things that you were doing, reading and mm-hmm. writing and expressing. And so how would you encourage somebody else to, you know, be courageous, even if they're an adult, to learn how to read and not just read the words, but really gain an understanding, really uh, gain a love for understanding what the words mean and how you can put that together for you to express yourself and to not only survive in the world, but to thrive. Yeah. Um I'm, I, the way I'm understanding that, Tracy, is that is it a two-part question? Advice I would give to parents who find themselves in this situation with maybe um, a fifth, fifth level, fifth grade reading, well, no, just, and then so, or so just, let me just in general. It. Yeah, Hold okay, on, let me rephrase in, it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, how would you encourage anybody to learn how to read? I. I would encourage them to watch movies and put the captions at the bottom of the movie so right. that they are they are seeing the action on the movies and they're understanding the plot of the movies, but they're seeing those words flash uh, at the bottom. That's one small thing because I mean, who doesn't watch movies? You, you know, that's something that you can do on exactly. quite a regular, quite a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, obviously, just keep reading, <laughs> keep opening books. I mean, I, I've been, I've loved to read all of my life. And I think another uh, skill that teachers employ when you're in school, and I know my teachers um, encourage this too, is that I was in high school, and I started to like uh, Sydney Sheldon books. So we had our prescribed reading at school. And in lit class, literary class. So these were books that the teacher told us that we had to read and then we would do book reports on them. But also I I started to love reading. So Sidney Sheldon was one of those authors who I I quite liked a lot of his rags to riches kind of plot line. So find a, a genre or find an author that you'd like and then find the other books that that author does so that you know it keeps your interest going and and trying to keep reading yeah so a couple of points here oh that's that's a really that's really great point so I, I love that and so yeah thank you so much for that now tell me what does reading mean to you Re- reading is uh, like everything you know what day do you go through without reading i mean reading is 
almost like the you know air you breathe but but not quite obviously so i don't know reading is something that i guess when i leave this earth all of these words that i have jumbled up in my head i'm going to take them all with me you know <laughs> because it's i don't know reading is your thought it's your mind when you dream at night and and you read a lot your dreams end up being quite interesting because you're kind of processing your day maybe you're processing a, a a movie that you saw or the words that you wrote or read in a book that day so re like reading is definitely it's an it's an essential it really is yeah i agree yeah i agree because i mean even if that's going down the highway being able to see read the signs and things like that. We need to be able to read just like we need to be able to breathe. That's my feeling on it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because it, it really helps in every area of our life. You know, it kind of determines if you are going to be able to survive or if you're going to be able to thrive, you know? Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing your story with your family. And I'm glad to hear that you guys are all back together again. And you know, I know we go through these journeys, they are very traumatic sometimes, but when we come out on the other end, you know, we find that there is, a, you know, some meaning in it, some things that we've learned and some things that we can grow from as well. Because, you know, would you have done this book without having gone through that experience? Probably oh, not. No, not, no, not at all. <laughs> For no. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so this is one thing. And then who knows that something, you know, else great might come from this because, Really, when you write one book, that really means that you have another book inside of you. But who knows what that next book is but you. And so we look forward to hearing and seeing like what comes next from you. Where Tell the listeners where they can find your book, Fancy Prison. I love the title of that. <laughs> well, I explained the title in my book. Again, it's kind of part of the, the storyline. But yeah, so the best way to find the book, find me, is just Google Fancy Prison by Tina Fumo, but be specific and put my name in there. Cause if you Google fan, just fancy prison, what you'll find is that, you know, images of guys in, uh, or women in orange um, prison suits come up, but they're serving out like country club sentences. And, and yeah, that's not what my book is about. It's so about the child. Yeah. So if you Google Fancy Prison by Tina Fumo, F-U-M-O, and the first link that comes up is, I think, yeah, well, yeah, the Amazon link, uh, whether you're in the States, it comes up as Amazon.com, but here in Canada, it comes up as Amazon.ca, and then wherever in the country, uh, wherever else in the world. And then, um, yeah, Google Fancy Prison by Tina Fumo, the Amazon link comes up, my social media links come up, and then uh, videos and, and back to YouTube or however, whatever platforms for podcasts like yours. The, they all come up on the Google search. Yeah. Awesome. So if, you, if, we, if some of our listeners are going through some of the things that you and your daughter went through and they need advice, where's the best place? Should they email you or contact you on social media? Like on, I know you're on Facebook because we're friends on Facebook. Are you in LinkedIn also? I, I'm on Facebook. Yeah. And I'm on LinkedIn. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, that being said, the, I'm not a lawyer. So I, and I know people kind of call me and they think, Oh, I wrote a book and then I'll be able to get their kids back. That's, you know, that's not why I wrote Latina, with all the incredible 
miraculous things that were going on during that period of time. How did you bring any closure to this tragic situation? It was. It was it was really good to sort of get this horrible situation out of like sort of out of my system and then and and have that book to show for it because it was a sense of closure like it's I think it still continues on um to this day because there's still you know children who are getting caught in the system and there's still children parents who need help and children who need that you know someone to speak their voices need to be heard especially if they're newborn babies I mean they can't talk yet right but um yeah so it definitely is a big it was a big step in kind of solidifying you know where we stand here and it it has allowed me to sort of move on into other areas of my life yeah